Well, hey there, and welcome to First Take, a podcast ministry of First Reformed Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm Assistant Pastor Jim Curtis here with my senior pastor, Brent Horan, to offer you our take this week on music in worship. Music in worship. Well, before we begin, Brent, it's great to be in the same room. That's right. Uh, is this the uh, First Reformed studio? Yeah, that's, is that what that's this right, is? On, on Woodmont Drive or whatever that's right. road we're yeah, on here. That's good. Yeah, um, even though we're uh, in quarantine, uh, many of our listeners may remember that I, I got stuck in Charlotte for a while. We are back. We're back in Pittsburgh. Happy to be back. Uh, happy to be figuring out which light switches go to which fan <laughs> and light switch and all that back in my house. But um, excited to be here. Excited to do this uh, in theoretically a more simple way. Hopefully. Uh, to record these. <laughs> But um, yeah, so today I wanted to ask a couple of questions about uh, music in worship. And and before we begin and before I start asking my questions, I, I really wanted to talk not necessarily about like the, um, uh, and I'm going to get all sorts of terms wrong here, okay? You're going to correct me here, and that's fine. <laughs> but like, I don't want to talk about like the ambient stuff. I'm not really interested in talking about um, uh, like the prelude and the postlude and all that stuff necessarily. And I also don't necessarily want to talk about singing uh, uh, as a congregant. I think we can save some of that for, for another episode. I really kind of want to take a dive today into um, just kind of our, our theology and our thinking, practical doing of picking music, what goes through that for our Sunday morning worship and that sort of stuff to mm-hmm. maybe provide some categories for those later discussions. Great. Okay, so if, if we get into the prelude, postlude, that's fine, but... Uh, uh, we didn't you know, mean to. Right, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Um, okay, so first question, um, why do we sing in worship? Why do we even have music at all in our corporate worship? Well, I think there's a, a number of things that sort of come through my mind, and the first one, probably the obvious one, the easy one, is that uh, we're commanded to do this. Um, how many psalms can you, um, can you read that say, sing to the Lord? Mm. praise to the Lord, sing of His name, sing of His glory, sing of all these various things that He has done. Um, but try, trying to get past the idea of just that we're commanded, right? Uh, though it's a duty, though it's something we're called to do, it's our joy to do it. It's mm. um, in many ways because of Christ, because mm. of who we are in Him, because of all that He has done for us. There's something that sort of wells up within us that mm. causes our voices to rise, causes us to to sing aloud of Christ, to sing aloud of our God who's created us and has redeemed us. And so, um, like when I think about coming into worship, I doubt many of us, when the songs begin, go, well, God told us to do this. I guess we got to do it. Um, maybe some people wish, um, depending on the church you're at, they weren't singing as much. Uh, maybe they wanted to sing more. But I would imagine that singing in some ways is sort of... Um, just a response mm-hmm. to Jesus in many ways. So we want to sing about Him. Um, the other thing is we want to tell the person next to me about Him. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we talk about the, both the vertical and horizontal aspects of worship. We love to sing because we want to hear about Jesus, and so the person next to me is telling me about Him, and, and I'm telling them about Him, and we're, we're preaching to each other in that sense, uh, mm-hmm. preaching the gospel. So um, those would be some of the things that I would, I would think are the wise. Yeah, I... I think it's really interesting, you know, I, we, we asked the question in worship, right? Why do we sing in worship? We wouldn't really ask the question, why do we sing at all, hmm. right? Everybody sings. <laughs> uh, I don't like singing uh, in front of a people. I'm not a very good singer. I don't have a whole lot of confidence. Uh, I haven't been trained in that. 
And so you know, it's it's a little awkward for me to mm. sing, but all of a sudden you put me in worship and it's not a question. Mm. But you also put me in my car with nobody <laughs> else there and one of my favorite songs on the radio, right? It's also not a question. And so it's interesting to me that music plays such a, um, particularly sung songs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, plays such a, an important role in what it means to be human on mm-hmm. some level. Um, to express emotion and these sorts of things. The only other thing that I might say is, um, uh, and I've, I've only recently come across this, is, is that music is um, a helpful means for catechism, mm. right? Of, uh, in other words, of just teaching us our theology. So mm. sometimes, you know, you're, you're thinking, oh, this is my favorite hymn, or I, ha- I love these sorts of songs, or whatever. Um, but they really can be a wonderful uh, a wonderful moment to teach proper theology. And I remember just recently Matt Merker, one of the guys who works with the Gettys, uh, explained Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, right? The new one by... Uh, um, Matt Boswell. Matt Boswell, yeah. And um, explaining it as a good Christological hymn. Mm. Um, Come Behold the Second Adam, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, these sorts of things. So it's interesting that, that we're conveying a great deal of doctrine, in our mm. music and in our singing, um, and and we really need to consider the that element to it. Right? You, you know, on that note, this is. I hope this isn't really off topic, but these things kind of uh, mutually inform each other. Mm. I know there are songs that I've sung for my whole life, or at least my whole life as a Christian. Mm-hmm. That as I've grown in my understanding of God, as I've grown in my understanding of the Bible, something like Second Adam, I would have sung that you know maybe fifteen twenty years ago and thought, "Who's that?" Yeah. Um, but, you know, you grow, you understand, and those right. things become so much richer to you. So the songs informing you, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk about why we sing songs that inform mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And then uh, our theology and our Bible study are making those songs even richer for us as well. So they, they kind of mutually inform in that way. Yeah, so that leads to the second question, actually, pretty naturally then. What do we sing? Hmm. Right, as much as I'm sure some people would, would love to sing, like, Journey and stuff, and they do <laughs> in their showers and, and all that, yeah. but... What do we see in worship? Like, what, what's the difference between that and, and the rest of uh, the human life? So, you know, when you think about this, um, as you approach worship, uh, just to put a, a high-level category on it, we're going to sing Scripture and things that are derivative of Scripture, mm-hmm. right? There are those who would think we should only sing Scripture, and they're, you know, they have their arguments for those. Um, we should be singing it. We sing the Psalms, you know, in our, in our worship, you know, Maybe we'll have one or two psalms in a, in a worship service. But then the songs that we sing are not just songs about life in general. Hmm. They're not just about um, the environment in general. They're not mm-hmm. about creation in general. They're specifically about, especially Christ, hmm. um, the triune God, you know, holy, hmm. holy, holy. Right. And so those things have been informed by Scripture. They're based off of what Scripture says. Hmm. Somebody has sat down and sort of... Um, as you said, you know, in some ways has written a prayer or a confession and put it to music, mm. and we get to go sing it. Mm. So, and that's what we're going to have in worship. We're not going to have a song that is um, disconnected from the gospel in mm. that way, especially as congregational singing. Um, anything we do should have that connection, whether it's just the music or if it's the words as well. Yeah, and like you said earlier, too, um, you know, the content of, of what we sing, obviously, super important. We need to be singing the truth about God and who He is. But at the same time, right, we are singing to other people. Mm-hmm. And we're singing the truths of the gospel to other people, um, but we are addressing them 
right? I mean, Paul says in Ephesians 5, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual mm-hmm. songs, right? Um, it's always struck me, a friend of mine told me, uh, pointed this out to me, again, I'm not a very musical person, <laughs> but you pay attention to the words of something like the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? Um, all creatures here below. Hmm. And so in that, right, you're not singing to God, hmm. right, directly anyway, right? right? Um, you're actually supposed to be looking around, <laughs> right? And, and really giving the imperative of uh, praise him, everybody here, all creatures here mm. where I am, all of us below the heavens, mm. you need to be praising God. And so um, it strikes me as very interesting that, um, uh, you know, when leading worship, you're up in front of people and we get the people watch, right? <laughs> they sing the doxology or something like that. And almost always it's like this, you know, their, their eyes are closed, their heads are kind of looking up and they're singing, they're praising God, and that's good. And in that sense, they're almost missing that, mm. what, we would, what we would call like the vertical and the horizontal dimensions, right? The the vertical being our relationship with God, love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and then the horizontal of, of loving your neighbors yourself. Both of these elements un- impact, impact our worship mm-hmm. in that way. And so we're supposed to be singing to each other, mm. right? <clears throat> uh, and, and so the content needs to be gospel-focused, right? The content needs to be biblical in right. that sense. Um, but uh, what we sing matters to those around us too, right? Absolutely. Uh, and so we need to be judicious about picking what we sing, mm. right? So talk to me about that. Okay, that's, I think uh, a lot of our listeners, a lot of people in the church probably don't get to peek behind the curtain, if you will, <laughs> uh, in this way. So um, maybe do a little more just kind of rapid fire. Talk to us about, um, it's Tuesday, you've got your sermon text, you're trying to build an order of service um, so that our admin assistants don't get on to us for being late, <laughs> and you've got to pick the music, Okay. Walk us through some of the things you think about when, when you're trying to pick that music. Sure. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm ahead, and I've already thought, okay, this passage is coming, and this particular song is going to work pretty well, but I've got to pick six different songs. Right, so talk to us about the other 50 yeah, Sundays a year. Right, the other 50. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm sitting there on Tuesday, um, maybe Monday, and I've been working on that text, um, thinking through some things, and my mind's already firing, hey, what about this hymn? Mm. Does that have that verse that I think it does? Is it saying what I think it's going to say? Mm-hmm. Um, usually, um, if you think about the order of our service, and you know, you and I probably know it like the back of our hands, maybe not everybody knows this, but sure. we, we have a, the opening two hymns are usually um, big. I, I use a numbering system of, a, of between, uh, you know this, between zero and ten. Right. The first couple of hymns are going to be you know, between a seven and a ten. They're going to be huge hymns. Crown him with many crowns. Mm. Um, Holy, holy, holy. There are going to be these hymns that are going to make us sing out with our hearts and our voices really about the transcendence of God, probably, Mm -hmm. more than the imminence of God, the Mm -hmm. nearness of God. And then I... So when I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about that, okay, what are some hymns um, that that really fit with what we're planning to do mm-hmm. um, in the whole service, how mm-hmm. it's going to connect to the confession of faith and connect uh, the confession of sin and the other songs we will sing. So I'm picking some big songs for the first two, and then um, the third one is usually well, a little more... Before you, before you yeah. hop into the third, yeah. right, I think it's important, because um, like you said, you know, we know this stuff just kind of innately at this point. What comes right before and after those two hymns? Like the immediate context, if you will, in the, in the service, sure. right? You have the call to worship yep. coming from Scripture, right? And then we'd have an invocation, a mm. prayer of adoration. And so it's kind of a, uh, I view it kind of like a sandwich. Yep. The Bible says, I've got to do this. And so I'm going to joyfully, right, just triumphantly proclaim who God is. I'm responding mm. 
in song to the call of worship. Right. Um, and so, you know, we're, um, we're not going to pick uh, a, a hymn that's like, yes, we're here for worship, call to worship, my mind and heart are ready. <laughs> bah, bah. Right. right. <clears throat> so, so that's important, just noting where it is. Not that those hymns aren't helpful. Right. Like, that's not what you're saying. That's not what no. we're saying. They fit it, in yeah, a certain place. It's just not it's not the fit of that's yeah. that that kind of praise sandwich. Right? That's right. That's of, right. Of those two things. Okay. So then the third hymn of the service, which is kind of crazy. I mean, if you think about it, we sing six, okay. Yep. But the third, where does the third happen in the service? And then walk us through that one. Okay, so you have done the prayer of adoration, then we've got the confession of faith. Mm. Um we usually do a question or something, right? Or a scripture reading. And then that hymn is going to be on my numbering scale. It's probably going to be somewhere between a two and a six. Mm-hmm. And what you know to kind of help people think, a four is maybe like "Great is Thy Faithfulness," mm-hmm. um, very contemplative, mm-hmm. uh, maybe highlighting more of the eminence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so your your numbering system isn't like it's a forty out of a hundred, right? Right. In terms of like goodness, I mean, that's a fantastic hymn. Right. You just mean in terms of kind of the oomph, kind yes. of the, the tempo, kind of just the the, the feel of feel, it, right? the tone okay. of it, the content of it. Mm. Um, so, like giving your example, you're not going to call people in worship, and our first song is going to be "My Jesus." Mm. Now, some services might that might function well for people. Mm-hmm. It's not going to function well for us the way we kind of mm. uh, have formulated the service. That would work really well. In the confession of faith, because what comes after that song is what confession of sin. Mm. So usually, there's going to be something in that mm-hmm. hymn that is leading us from what we believe into a place of I need to come to Him mm. and confess. And it might even be something like uh, before the throne of God above, which mm-hmm. is preparing us that we're going to the throne of grace. Mm-hmm. And then you get um, that theological emphasis: before yes. the throne of God above, I have a strong and yes. perfect plea. That's it, right? Then you're seeing the content match what we're doing in worship. Yes, that's right, and it sets you up. Mm-hmm. You remind you who we're going to, mm-hmm. right? We're coming to this God, not only the transcendent God, this eminent God, someone that you can boldly approach mm-hmm. because of Christ. Yeah. Um. So you know, moving through that, so you've got the confession of sin, and we'll we'll skip to after the sermon. Yeah. Right. So there's a bunch of things that happen. If, you know, there's a supper. I mean, there's the sermon that takes place and uh, offering and things and the and the longer pastoral prayer. So then the song after the sermon, the way I see that one is it's it's a response to the sermon. It's yeah. a res- it's needs to be connected, at least in some way, mm-hmm. to what we've just worked through in the scriptures, mm-hmm. and it's going to move back up. It's not going to be a, a two through a six. It's going to be back up more like a six through a nine. Mm-hmm. It's going to. I want us to, what do I say? Let's stand and sing. Right. And if I said, let's stand and sing, and then we sang a one, mm. you'd be like, we could have just stayed seated. You know, um, <laughs> it would have been fine if we just stayed there. Um, but there is a little more flexibility. There, there is more flexibility. Just because, I mean, you preach a sad sermon because it's a sad text. Right. Right. We might sing a sad hymn. Right. right? That just, might be the best response. It really is what fits. And this is one of the things about our worship. Maybe I should have said this the first part. One of the attributes of God is beauty. Mm. One of the attributes of our worship should be beauty. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about beauty, an attribute of beauty, is fittingness. Mm. And when things don't fit, <laughs> they are less beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so as you're thinking about putting a service together, like if you if you had if you sang a song after the sermon that was totally disconnected, mm-hmm. like let's make it for example, it was a little bit on the sadder side, it was a something, you know, a, a confession, something that brought us to conviction, whatever it might be. And we might sing "Joy to the World" as to sort of go to the opposite end, right? Also, that could that could create some dissonance for us. Mm. This isn't 
fitting, yeah. you know, just as examples. Yeah, and I think, I mean, everybody knows this on some levels elsewhere, right? We don't sing normally. We don't sing Joy to the World at funerals. Normally. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, we we have, I mean, almost kind of a pre-selection of funeral hymns, mm. right? I mean, you just think, Be Thou My Vision, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Amazing Grace, right? All these sorts of... And, and when you listen to those back-to-back, of course, you can do all sorts of fancy stuff in, in different renditions and whatever, but generally together, those sound very similar in terms of what we're talking about here. Right. That, that feel of triumph, that feel of tempo, that feel of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, and so in a in a service, a Sunday service, that fittingness matters too. It really does. the The hymns really need to be kind of functioning within as parts of a greater whole. Yes, right. And so, um, yeah, the one after the sermon's a little tricky. I personally, I always find that one to be the hardest <laughs> to to pick <clears throat> um, because there's actually a little more flexibility there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because, you know, I'm in that topical index in the back of the hymnal going, I don't, I don't know what to do, uh, but I'm not the musical guy. Um, okay. So then we, we have two more, right. right. In the service, um, one for the supper uh, right. during, during, during the bread when we do the mm-hmm. bread. So walk us through that, how that fits in, in that part of the service. So I, I tend to see the one during the bread can have some, uh, more flexibility again. Um, this can be a two, this can be up to like a six. It just depends on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on what we're trying to convey. And I think because the supper conveys so many different things, uh, just to give you an example, if we tend to approach the supper in a, I need to put my head down and get into my own little closet and think about how sinful I am and all the mm-hmm. various things, I might want to say, we're, we're going to push a different angle to mm-hmm. help us mm-hmm. move out of that. Like some mm-hmm. of the things we have done, you know, we've done things like... Um, um, what's the one that we like to sing on Jordan Stormy Banks? Yeah, we end with the service a lot, and that one sometimes we do it during the bread. Mm. It might fit the service really well to do it right. there. Um, my Jesus, I love thee. That's mm. a great place for one. Mm. But I think of this: the bread is more contemplative. Mm. I also want us to sing something that we know really well, mm-hmm. because we're going to. Not where you're going to introduce the newest. No, 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 I really don't want to do that. And um, we've made mistakes where you try to do something and it hasn't worked sometimes. But usually you're going to say, I want something that the, that the people can sing without looking at anything yeah. almost, yeah. because we're passing bread. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to really think on the words, not be having to go, well, what are the words? Mm-hmm. Well, how does this go? Mm-hmm. And so um, that one's a tricky one, too, because mm-hmm. you might feel like you want to do X, but you're like, that is not going to work well, mm-hmm. at least not yet. Mm-hmm. And so you'll, you'll have to pick something else. Yeah, and then you just have classical, um, or classic, excuse me, classic communion hymns. That's right. Right, which which just really fit well there. Um, yeah, and, and and not even classic yet, but definitely going to be a classic, in my opinion, is that um, the Sandra McCracken, We Will Feast in the House yes. of Zion. Yep. Um, again, that, I hope our listeners understand, like, there are exceptions to these general principles, because right. that's a new hymn, and we've done it now during the bread, right? Well, yeah, we have. <laughs> we didn't introduce it there. Um, but we knew it as a congregation enough to do it. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, uh, but, but, you know, it's not restricted to just those super old ones. Quote That's right. Unquote, right. Um, yeah. And, and uh, that gets back to the content, right? We will feast is such a great thing because we're feasting yep. on the bread, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's calling us to the reality of the future that we will feast in the house of Zion mm. because Jesus says he will eat this supper yeah. with us mm. uh, in, in coming glory. And so you get that connection, right? And so, um, again, going back to the fittedness theme, the whole aspect of our humanity, all of our senses are kind of dinging off, right? Mm-hmm. 
um, including what we're singing. Mm. And that's why it's so important, I think, to, to, to look at those lyrics. Okay, and, and then the last hymn. The last hymn is we've... So if you think about a wave in the service, you've got the first two that are at like a, you know, eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Second or third one has moved down into more of the lower numbers. The one after the sermon has come up a little bit. Then we've we've maybe fallen back down again a little bit in the supper. Mm-hmm. But then for the last hymn, I want something again triumphant, mm-hmm. something that sends us out mm-hmm. again. That's right. So if you think the first one is kind of transcendent, big and strong, then you move through eminence throughout the service. And remember, these are these are um, movable categories and mm-hmm. they overlap. But then the last one, I want something that makes us stand and sing in triumph excited mm-hmm. of what we've just experienced and where we're headed mm-hmm. and get us motivated to go back into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that that last hymn has that strength to it, mm-hmm. and there's a zillion songs that can fit there. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, there's some songs that really do not work well as an opening hymn that will work really well as a closing hymn, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And some of that, I'll just go and tell you, it's subjective. Sure, yeah. It has to do with what are, what are we trying to convey. It can be content, it can be tone, it mm-hmm. can be... It can be the key of the song mm. that says that's, and just you can not, change this stuff to, right to slide on that scale. That's too, right. That's right? exactly right. Yeah, and and so I, in thinking this through, right, the first two hymns are are in in a manner of speaking a response mm-hmm. to the call to worship. The next hymn is kind of a response to the confession of faith and a preparation for what's coming next yep. in the confession of sin. Then you have a response to the sermon text. Mm. Then you have a response to what we're doing, and so you, you're noticing something here. Yeah. So, in some form or fashion, the last hymn functions as a response to the whole kit that's and right. caboodle, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why um, I think the the emphasis on something triumphant, something to pre- prepare us to go out by reminding us of what we've just done. Mm-hmm. I think that's the right way to think about it in terms of that fittingness category. Yeah. Because the gospel is triumphant, mm-hmm. and every service is the gospel. Yeah. Every service is about Jesus Christ. Every time we gather together on Sundays, we're doing so because of Jesus, for Jesus, and because we love Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we want to see him on display. We want to sing his glory and his praise. We want all of these things. We confess our sins because we know about Jesus, yeah. and we have the gospel. And so that last hymn, I think, in in some ways is almost... This is me speaking here, but it's almost the most important mm. because that's the last thing people remember as they then go home and eat lunch and take their naps. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that, I think, is setting the tone for the rest of the week. That's taking our service and kind of distilling it into the three to five minutes we have of that last right. hymn. Right. And then you receive God's blessing with a smile on your face yeah. and you walk out. Yeah, that's there. right. Um, you know, and I would say, just so people understand... Um, I can put all the thought process into this. You can think through this. You can mm. pray through this. You can walk through all the things you're thinking about doing. And I'm still surprised because there's times when I pick a hymn and I'm like, ah, and I had to pick it and I wasn't really finished with the way I think the sermon was going to go. This is Thursday mm-hmm. when we get it done, but I'm, mm-hmm. I've got thir- Friday and Saturday to continue <laughs> to figure out what the sermon's going to be, right? And sometimes I'll forget what we're, what we're going to sing in the last hymn. And whatever happened in my sermon... I had forgotten about a verse that was in the last one, mm-hmm. and we'll be singing. And I go, "Oh my goodness, that's that's better than I could have ever mm-hmm. thought it was going to mm-hmm. be." And it's like mm-hmm. the Lord provides, yeah, and, you, and it surprises you mm-hmm. um, in that way. So, I can you can have your best laid plans, and usually the Lord makes them better. That's right. Um, yeah. In regard to this yeah. type of stuff, and sometimes yeah. He humbles you. Oh you, yes, you pick what you think is a ten <laughs> for that first hymn, and all of a sudden it just kind of falls flat, and you're just like, "I don't understand." Yeah, you, you know, uh, we could 
pick hymns on the basis of all of these principles we've just been talking about, and they're still they just don't fit for yep. one reason or another we that we couldn't have anticipated. They didn't work the way we thought they were going to. Right. But the yeah. bottom line is they're still singing praise. That's right. right? That's right. That's, that's the idea is they're still still singing praise to God. Okay, so um, as we kind of wrap things up on, on this discussion, I hope uh, it's been helpful kind of getting people's um, eyes behind the curtain, right, like we said, to into that process. Um, just give us a few couple ideas. Um, you're a musician, right? You're also thinking through order of worship. You're, you're a minister of the gospel. What makes for a good congregational song, hmm. a hymn, a um, hymn? You know, the Psalms are inspired, so they're great. Um, but not even all of the Psalms are great in every setting or anything like that, too. Hmm. So walk us through, you know, the, we're, we're, we're kind of introducing new, and by new, I don't necessarily just mean new to us hymns mm-hmm. at FRPC. I mean within the last 10, 15 years hymns. Mm-hmm. And these are great, um, but we aren't singing some of the same songs that are produced and written you know, in the last right. 10, 15 years too. So what makes for a good song in, in corporate worship, in, in congregational music? I think the first thing I'm going to look at, um, let me just leave aside the music for a minute, is the content. Of course, yeah. Um, so if if I hear a song and I go, man, that's got a great sound, we could sing it as a congregation, but I might think, ah, that's just a hair shallow. Mm. You know, I think there's there's better lyrics that we can be singing. There's better teaching that we can find. Um, man, this one feels so good, but I think it doesn't fit the richness that our our uh, services offer. So it, it actually would not fit our service if I mm-hmm. put something in that had that shallowness to it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then thinking about um, what makes a good hymn, sometimes um, this can be, you know, obviously this is going to be subjective, sure. what people are thinking um, you know, what do they think is going to be uh, singable in their church? I think one of the things, just thinking of that, it has to be singable, it has to mm. be accessible. Mm-hmm. There are things that people write, I've mm-hmm. written them too, where I thought it was going to, you know, be something that could be sung in the congregation, mm-hmm. and then I just started to notate it, mm-hmm. you know, write it out to see what it was, and I was like, that's impossible to sing because I can't even write it out. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't work as well as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. It's cool to just sing it for people, but it doesn't work. So it needs to be something that is accessible from uh, for everybody in the congregation. Mm. You know, often you'll hear the thing about, like, uh, syncopation, and what's interesting is we do sing a lot of syncopation, but some songs are more difficult in their syncopation, and that's mm. when you'll hear somebody say, well, we shouldn't be singing syncopation. Mm. That's not the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is bad syncopation <laughs> or, <laughs> or difficult syncopation. Dr. Kara, welcome to the conversation. That's yeah. right, that's right. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, you think just a song about syncopation, let us love and sing in wonder. Mm-hmm. Our song, our, our church dominates that song, right? Mm-hmm. We sing that really well. It's all syncopated. The whole yeah. thing is syncopated. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to think of accessibility. Um, so it's got to have that richness theologically. It's got to be something that we can sing. Um, another thing is the words and the music have to match. Mm. This that is, is so big. It, it, it's huge because, um, and this is probably some of my... Um, critique of some of the newer stuff that's written uh, when they take an old hymn and they put music to it, mm-hmm. It sometimes it's like they didn't pay attention to the words. Mm-hmm. And so they have a song that is um, um, sort of sorrowful mm-hmm. or, or confessional or something like that, that you can feel this um, a deep emotion, and they put um, something like Louie Louie to it, you know, <laughs> or they put some kind of... Um, like a circus song yeah. to it, and it's like that doesn't work. Yeah, the the one that's firing off in my head is uh, that that tune written recently for from the depths of woe, mm. Martin Luther's uh, version. 
Um, and, uh, and it's, it's like, um, from the depths of, well, you know, and this is fast, this very triumphant tune. And you're just like, wait, hang on from the depths of woe, I raise to thee, my voice of lamentation, (laughs) it doesn't fit. Right. Right. And so, um, what's interesting is, um, uh, indelible grace then I think realized that Mm -hmm. and then they grabbed it and they took the same tune, right. And they changed some things around and nevertheless, um, in their change of the tempo and, and what instruments were playing and the key and these sorts of things, they actually made it fitting because uh, throughout their version, I think they do this very well. It starts from the depths of woe and it starts slower. And but there's a slow build to triumph at the end of the song, right? That um, the redemption of Israel, right? Um, and so uh, what the tune initially was trying to do is just do the end of the song. Right. right? That's super happy, go lucky, whatever. But there's more. There's so much depth to that song, right? In particular, right? Yeah, that that's the most recent example I can think of. Oh, yeah, and I, I could probably come up with some, but I don't want to yeah. get in trouble, so I won't name any. Um, I figured I was yeah. safe with Martin Luther. You know, <laughs> that's right, right, you can name him. Yeah. Um, so I think about that, like the richness, accessibility, mm-hmm. and then that uh, melding of of words and music, and and all of those things, um, especially that last one, mm. right? Um, people are going to feel. They're they are going to immediately gravitate and say that's a song we can sing, you know, whatever it is, um, whether in, in different churches, right? However, they see that fitting in their own church. Mm-hmm. So those are sort of the, those are just three high-level ones that I would probably uh, make sure if I was writing something, all of those things would have to be together. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, I've written some that didn't fit. Sure. I've written some that didn't work um, and uh, had to go back to the drawing board mm-hmm. um, and try again. Yeah. So... Yeah, and I think uh, I think basically we can sum that up in, in what you said earlier. It needs to be singable. Yep. There's so many so many aspects and categories to that, but it needs to be singable. I remember um, just recently Madeline came across a, a new song um, that uh, City of Light, the people who did Yet Not I But Through Christ in Me, they just put out a new song. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but um, is it Your Will Be Done? Something like that. Something like that. Okay. And and I remember the first thing she said about it when she was playing it. I was like, wow, this is really good. And the first thing she said was, yeah, it's got that simplicity to it Mm. where it's not difficult to pick up. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, about that and thinking through that now, that's really what we need, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a singer, right? I actually prefer the more syncopated stuff because I I played drums in a worship band once. Don't tell anybody that. (laughs) Oh, whoops. Um, You know, and, and I'm kind of an amateur drummer type person, whatever. And so like that makes sense to my mind. Um, but I can sing the simpler stuff without syncopation, mm-hmm. right? There might be other people differently than me, but if we keep it on a general, simple, singable level, mm-hmm. right, it's the whole congregation. Not right. everybody there is a professional musician. Um, sometimes there aren't any musicians, right? But everybody can sing corporately, and that, that's the beautiful thing about the church is you put me in front of a microphone, my voice is terrible. You put me in the whole gathered church, the whole gathered church sounds awesome. right. Um, so long as the thing is singable. Yep. Right. Yeah, there's it's been simple. some ones where we've introduced them on Sunday night, and in the first couple minutes, I thought, we're going to struggle with this one. Hmm. And, you know, uh, we'll see if it works. Um, and then after a while, we'll get it. There's other ones that we've started, and they picked it up so quick because mm-hmm. it was so, I'll, I'll use this word, obvious. Hmm. It's what they expected to happen. Right. Now, unexpectedness in music is fun and good. Just don't do that to your congregation. Yeah. You know, um, let them learn it, 
and you think about how this teaches us too. It's something they can hum. It's something they can sing to themselves mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. because it was so easy to pick up. Yep. You know, how many songs do we listen? We go, that's been in my head all day because it's just so memorable. Mm-hmm. That's a good song, um, especially when it's got the theologically yeah. rich lyrics. Take that with it. full circle back to where we started. Right, yep. that's what we want: is these songs with the the rich, deep theology and scriptural truths. Stuck in their heads. Right, that's it. I'm just playing on repeat, right, all the time. Well, Brent, we're out of time. I appreciate your time. Thanks for letting me be here in the studio. That's great. Glad you were here. Glad you're back. Glad to be back in Pittsburgh, and uh, thankful for your take on music in worship. Thanks, Jim. 